everyone. Welcome to the Nancy Jo Diaries Podcast. Nancy Jo Diaries, Chapter 3 I shoved George's duffel aside for a better look at the rest of the luggage. My friend's stuff was all there along with the big herbal bag I'd used as a carry-on for the plane. But there was no sign of my green suitcase. Oh dear, Max said. Is, is something missing? Only the bag with the most of my stuff in it, I exclaimed. Are you sure it's not here somewhere? Bess glanced around the main room. We watched the portal labeled it ourselves, remember? Of course I remember. My words came out clipped and short and I took a deep breath and tried to compose myself before continuing. Who should I call about this? I asked Max. Me, he declared, patting me on the arm. Don't fret, Miss Drew. I'll take care of it right away. There must have been some kind of mix-up with the room tax. That didn't seem possible since Bess was right. I'd seen the porter label the bag myself. But I didn't get a chance to say so, since Max was already rushing out of the suitcase with his cell phone pressed to his ear, leaving the door standing open behind him. So can Nancy. Alan said, I'm sure your bag's around somewhere. Yeah, George said. It's not like we're at the airport and it accidentally got on a plane headed to Timbuku. The worst that could happen is they dropped it in the harbor. She smirked. Very funny, I growled. George and Bess traded a surprise look. Chill, Nance, George said. It's not that a big deal. Max will track it down. I took another deep breath, realizing she was right. What was going on with me, anyway? I wasn't normally the type to freak out over minor mishaps like this. Maybe seeing that body shook me more than I realized, I thought. Even if it wasn't real... That made my mind jump from the suitcase to a different kind of case. I wish I could talk to my friends about what had happened by the pool. But we couldn't talk freely with Alan around. He had just sat down at the piano and was picking out jingle bells with one finger. What should we do now? Bess asked. Do you guys want to start unpacking or she was cut off by a sudden loud terrified shriek from just outside the suitcase. Who was that? Alan exclaimed. I was already rushing toward the door. When I burst into the hallway, a young woman was standing in front of the next door looking horrified. She was wearing a superstar uniform and clutching a sack of a stack of folded towels to her chest. Is everything okay? Bess yelped, running out of the suit behind me. My gaze had already shot from the maid to the kid couched on the floor just across the hall. He had his back to us at first, but when he glanced back over his shoulder, my eyes widened. You, I blurted out. He was that bratty eight-year-old I've seen earlier. What was his name again? Hey, it's Tobias. George exclaimed as she skipped out into the hallway and stopped short. That's my name. Don't wear it out. The kid snapped. By now, the maid had lowered the towels, revealing a name tag that identified her as Iris. Oh, she gasped. I'm so sorry. He, he just startled me. 
Tobias glared at her. You practically broke my eardrum screaming like that. He said, I should sue you. Then I could use the money to hire a helicopter to fly me out of here. Just then, a nearby door swung open. Tobias's father emerged. What's going on out here? He asked. Nothing. Tobias stood up, quickly showing one hand deep into the pocket of his baggy cargo shorts. Mm, his father leaned forward to the pier at the maid's name tag. Iris, is it? Is Tobias causing trouble? No, 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 not at all, sir. Iris took a quick step backward, clutching the towels to her again. It's completely my fault, really. I wasn't paying enough attention to where I was going. Tobias's father didn't look convinced as he looked over at his son. Well, I hope he's behaving better than he was earlier today. Seems he's feeling a little cranky right now because he didn't want to come up this cruise. Yeah, Tobias growled. I want to go to Galaxy X. That's what I call cool vacation, not some stupid boat. That's enough, son. His father grabbed Tobias by the arm and pulled him into the room. Sorry. He added once more before shutting the door. Wow, Bess said. That kid's pretty obnoxious. Yeah, we sort of met him earlier. I glanced at the maid. Are you okay? What had he what had he do to scare you? Nothing. Iris shrugged. Like I said, he just startled me. Excuse me. I'd better get back to work. She turned and hurried off the hall. Excitement's over, Alan announced. Better get back to my music. He headed back to the suit. But I was still staring off after the maid. She was acting kind of oddly, wasn't she? Best grin. First your mistress bag and now this, she teased. You don't have to look for mysteries everywhere, Nancy. Yeah. George looked out the door to make sure Anne was out of earshot. It's not like some eight-year-old is sending threatening emails to Brock Walker and planting fake bodies in the pool. I smiled. I guess you're right. We went back inside. Alan was at the piano again. Bess had a Bess made a beeline for the luggage. I guess we might as well start unpacking, she said, picking up her cosmetics case. I glanced at my pathetically little carry-on. That didn't seem to be much point in trying to settle in until Max found my suitcase. Besides, I had more important things to do. You guys go ahead, I said. I think I'll go pick up a toothbrush in one of the onboard ships, just in case. But I'm sure Max will charge me again. I know I got her off. But I feel like taking a walk. I'll be back soon. As soon as I was away from the suitcase, I pulled out my phone and texted Becca to see if she was free to talk. She texted back immediately, telling me she was in her office. The office turned out to be a small, poorly lit, windowless cabin on one of the lower levels. It was crammed with two large desks and several filling cabinets. Becca had hunched over a laptop at one of the desks, typing frantically. When I knocked softly on the door frame, she glanced up and pushed her hair out of her eyes. Nancy, she exclaimed, come on in. I'm just typing up the daily newsletter. She hit a button on the keyboard and grimaced. grimaced. A little behind, um, thanks to all the commotion earlier. Yeah, about that. I shut the door behind me and perched on the edge of the other desk. Did you find out anything else about what happened? 
Pick a side. Marcella and the captain contacted HQ to see what to do. Verdi told me to treat it as a prank and just move on. Verdi, I quote, Verdi Salinas. Becca said, she's the CEO of Superstar Cruises. Alright, I don't think you mentioned her name before. I nodded. So, she doesn't want to involve the local police. Becca shook her head. She said to let ship security handle it. They already did a little investigating and figured out that the mannequin came from one of the clothing shops on the prominent level and that pink stuff in the water was drink mix swept from the snack bar in the kids playground area did they figure out who did it not yet becca raked a hand through her hair making her curls stand up widely but i suppose there's no real harm done we offered the newlyweds a free shore excursion and cat chicken and i think that satisfied them Pencil Lacey, I said, remembering the frightened young woman and her new husband. Right, Becca smiled at me. Good memory for names, Nancy. Maybe you should work in the cruise industry. I don't think so. I joked in return. Bess and George could tell you I only remember details when they have to do with the case. Otherwise, I can't find my keys most of the time. Becca chuckles, then glanced at her computer screen. I don't have much time, she said. But I guess I should fill you in on the latest trouble. She picked a chipped spot on the corner of the desk I just found out today about a rumor circulating among the housekeeping staff. What kind of rumor? That the company is already bankrupt so nobody's going to get paid. Becca shook her head. It's not true, obviously. The housekeeping su- supervisors managed to calm everybody down for now. But nobody seems to know where the rumor started. It's just one more thing going on. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, I said. You told me about the threat to Brock's family that made him cancel and that some other bad stuff had happened. What's that other stuff? Well, it started with an email I got a couple of weeks ago. What did it say? Becca shrugged. Something about how I should back out of the screws if I knew what was good for me or something like that. But that's not at all. There were a few incidents in the last couple of weeks. A shipment of supplies got lost in the mail and never turned. Three of the ship's cooks quit a week before Archer. Just like that. Okay, the email sounds weird, I said. But that problems could be just ordinary bad luck or whatever. Wouldn't they? Maybe, but what about the body in the pool? It takes more than bad luck to make something like that happen. Good point. I dropped my finger on the desk, thinking over what she had told me. We should try to figure out possible motives. The email makes it seem like someone's trying to scare you. Maybe someone who's envious of your cool new job. Do you have any enemies on board or any you can think of? Not that I know of. Becca looked alarmed. Do you really think someone's getting targeting me personally? Not necessarily, I assured her. I mean, for all we know, other people could have received threatening emails too. Maybe someone's after your boss, Marcelo, is it? Becca looked dubious. Everyone loves Marcelo. He's been in the business for years and has never had any enemy that I've heard of. And maybe it's the captain, I said, or Verity, or the company as a whole. Or maybe someone we haven't even thought of yet. Becca smiled wryly. That's really narrows it down. Sorry, I chuckled. 
and it's better not to rule anything out without solid evidence. I keep thinking about motives and I cut myself to the door as the door flew open. Elma stood in the doorway. She was in her early thirties, tall, blonde and attractive, dressed in a navy blue evening gown with silver jewelry. There you are, Becca, the woman said in a husky, rusher, rather voice, tinged with an Eastern European accent. Marcelo was wondering where you are. It's nearly dinner time, dinner time, you know. Oops, Becca glanced at her watch and jumped to her feet. Sorry, Tatjana, I lost track of time. She shot me an apologetic look. I need to change into my evening clothes so I can greet guests at the dinner. Have to chat later. Tatjana glanced at me, her eyes, her gray eyes curious. Can I help you with something? No, I'm fine. I smiled at her. She shrugged and turned to follow Becca out of the office. When I got back to the Hollywood suit, I was relieved to see my suitcase standing near the piano. You found it, I exclaimed. Max hurried over the kitchen in the corner, dusting a drinking glass and grinning at me. Of course I did. I'm here to take care of you. I just heard to the yellow number tag hanging from the handle. It got mislabeled somehow and ended up in an interior cabin at the opposite end of the ship. I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. It's okay, I said automatically. But I was frowning at that tag, feeling puzzled and a little uneasy. I had watched the portrait clip on the proper purple tag myself. How had it ended up being switched with this yellow one? But I shook off the thought as quickly as it came. These things happened. It would be easy enough for one of those plastic tags to pop off while the busy potters were moving bags around. Just then, Bess hurried into the main room. She looked lovely in a dove grey dress and heels. You're back, she said. Hurry up and get changed. And don't forget to wear something nice. Max says people usually dress up for the first night's dinner. Okay, did you break the news to George? Bess grimaced. I've been working on her for the past half hour. I think I finally convinced her that shorts and flip tops are not proper dinner attire. But I'd better go make sure she didn't accidentally spill something on the dress I loaned her. I loved. I'll be ready in a few minutes, I promised. My bedroom was beautifully designed, with a built-in bed, a large dresser, and a chair. I tossed my suitcase on the bed and clicked the latches. As my fingers brushed the yellow tag, I hesitantly I hesitated briefly, once again, wondering how the mix up had happened. Then I shook my head and opened the case. My neatly folded clothes were inside, held in place by a couple of nylon straps. Tucked into one of the straps was a wrapped scrap of paper folded in two. What's that? I thought. I hadn't put anything like that in there. I was positive. I picked it up and unfolded it. When I saw the message written in handwritten block letters, I gasped. I hope you get lost, just like your bag, and that you stay lost. 